0: Hi, my name is Mark LeBlanc, and I happen to be the chairman of Indie Books International. Welcome to this episode of our podcast, our weekly podcast titled Marketing with a Book. We believe strongly that writing the right book is the ultimate marketing tool for your business. And we feel strongly, uh, very passionately, that speaking is the number one strategy that you can embark upon whether it's uh speaking for fee or speaking as what we call a showcase strategy waving your fee in front of a target rich audience the book is the tool the speech is the strategy can be your gateway to doing more of the good work that you feel called and compelled to do and we are proud to have client success story after client success story after client success story. And today, we have a great interview uh, with a uh, soon-to-be-published author, Julia Demkowski. And before I introduce her, I also want to just add that she is the current chair of the IMC organization, or the Institute of Management Consultants and the IMC conference will be held this year in Louisville, Kentucky. I believe it's the third weekend uh, of November, Suzanne. If you could put uh, those dates in the chat uh, box, that would be terrific. And it'll be Julia's opportunity to shine on stage for her hard work as the chair of the Institute of management consultants. But let me introduce her a little bit more formally. She runs a consulting company called Stanford Management Consulting, and she works with business owners who want to streamline their operations and accelerate true business growth. As a speaker, she conducts presentations, including her bootcamp series, Fiscal Fitness that zeroes in on how to increase cash flow and find hidden profits. Her soon to be released book, The Seven Deadly Sins All Business Owners Commit, reveals a fresh approach to systems, strategies, and structure that will increase your productivity and provide accountability for your results. As a result of her work, people often share They are more focused on what matters. They reduce their stress, have more fun, and make more money. On a personal note, Julia and her husband have a passion for adventure, exploring new destinations, and hopefully leading to their next move, which would be their 23rd move. Suzanne, will you go ahead and pin Julia and we'll get this interview on the way. Uh, All right, Julia, nice to have you with us. Thank you, Mark. It's nice to be here. I appreciate it. Did I did I leave anything out of your introduction? Is there anything that you want to add to it?
1: I don't think so, but my husband would cringe if anybody thought he moved 23 times. That's me that moved before we got married. I moved like 19 times.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So you have the passion uh, for adventure. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for that clarification. Julie, I just want to start uh, this episode by... having you give us a window into your world, what we would call your defining story. Just give us a little bit, take a couple of minutes and give us a little bit of your background and how did you get from where you were to where you are today?
1: So after college, I just started, I just evolved into troubleshooting right away. And I was, I worked in the hotel um, industry and ended up moving like every three to six months going in and doing projects to identify what changes needed to be made in that particular hotel for the Holiday Inn International brand. And from there, um, I ended up going back into healthcare, and I kind of did the same thing. So uh, hospitals that were getting ready to go through Joint Commission, they would send the company would send me in to get the 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 particular hospital or hospital system prepared to go through Joint Commission. And then I ended up uh, meeting my husband in St. Louis, Missouri. and I knew then I couldn't move again. At that time, I had moved nineteen times. So I went to work with a food distribution company as an internal consultant, and I helped them build their um, food nutrition services contracts um, division. So then the rest is history because we moved to Virginia. I went back and got my master's, and then I started Stanford.
0: Wow. and and not that we need to get this out of the way, um, but let's just shift gears a little bit and talk about the IMC, the Institute of Management Consultants. How long have you been a member? And that's where I met you, was at the IMC conference, I want to say about six years ago? Uh, maybe? 2017.
1: 2017? Exactly. Yes.
0: Um, <laughs> 2016.
1: And- I'm sorry, 2016 is when I first met you.
0: Okay, 2016, and Henry and I were doing a pre-conference session, I believe, and you were in that audience. So um, uh, I guess there's a perfect example of how Henry and I were speaking as part of a strategy, and you were in our audience, and we met and have developed an incredible working relationship, and now you're about to publish, um, I hate to say this, your first book. (laughs) <laughs> because people with a deep well of expertise never stop at one book. But uh, tell us a little bit about IMC and the upcoming conference.
1: So when I started um, Stanford Management Consulting, as like everyone else, I was always on the Internet looking for ideas and um, looking for associations, and I stumbled upon this um, series of tips that uh, Mark, Mark Haas was producing for IMC and that was in 2012-13-14 time frame. I ended up uh, joining IMC in 2016 and then immediately got involved in leadership 2016 was my first conference with IMC and you're correct. It was you and uh, Henry's presentation that hooked me to the conferences. And the, just the first three hours of that presentation, I got the entire value of the entire mm-hmm. conference and return on investment for membership really. So I am really thrilled to be able to have you guys come back this year since I'm chair, it's gonna be wonderful to welcome you back because you had such an impact on my particular business. Um, IMC USA is the certifying body for uh, management consultants in the United States. Our certification is a process, and if you can get through the application, you will get through the whole thing, and that's what people say is that the application is, is pretty tough, and it looks like when you print it out, it looks like this big, thick um booklet that you have to do, but it is an amazing experience and it gives you an opportunity to actually step back and look at your career and what all you have done. And so once you prepare that, the rest of it's easy because it is more about... Um, the exams and the panel review is an opportunity for folks to ask you about your business. So it's, it's not a hard test, it's, uh, it's, it's about you. And so when it's about you, it's a lot easier. Um, we, uh, ethics is top of the list for IMC. So uh, there is an ethics exam and the exams are, are not that hard. Uh, It's it's again, it's reviewing what you have been doing for your career. So we're a great association. We have wonderful, wonderful um, consultants. I can't think of a a problem that I've had in my business or with a client Mm -hmm. um, that I don't have a handful of people that I can reach out to and and get consult. And that's what we do for each other. We don't sell to each other. We support each other and we help each other.
0: Uh, Well, that's great. And um, I certainly have a lot of respect for IMC, Um, similar to I've been a member of the National Speakers Association now for 40 years. And one of our mantras is building a bigger pie, that if we work together and support each other um, through the highs and the lows, that there will be more for all of us. And I certainly have felt that spirit Uh, when I've attended the three IMC conferences that uh, I've been a part of. So um, I know I speak for Henry when we say, or I say thank you for inviting us uh, to come and speak. And I'm incredibly honored uh, to be your opening uh, keynote uh, speaker. It's gonna be a great time in Louisville. Uh, Suzanne already put the information in the chat box And if you're anywhere near a drive or a short flight, easy to get to, uh, Louisville is a great city. Come and join us uh, the third uh, weekend of November. We'll see you in Louisville. Um, And I will just say thank you for your your good work uh, that you have done uh, as a leader of IMC and of course the chair. No one, unless they've sat in your seat, and worn your shoes through a chair or presidential type position can truly understand the volume of emails and calls and sometimes complaints and, you know, as a past president of the National Speakers Association, we were a group of 3,500 speakers and no listeners, (laughs) which essentially which essentially means that when, of our, when one of our members has a problem, they have no trouble articulating it to the president. And I'm sure in your group that when there's a problem that needs to be fixed, there's no shortage of opinions and suggestions and recommendations uh, from your members on how to fix uh, or solve a problem uh, in your association. So. Uh, I both respect you for taking that on and I empathize with you uh, a little bit and, uh, but it's gonna be a great conference. All right, next, let's talk about your business and um, your new book is titled The Seven Deadly Sins That All Business Owners Commit. A little bit harsh, um, but I, but I know from reading the manuscript that you hold up a mirror to what we are both doing well, um, from a business perspective and shining a light or holding up a mirror to what can be better. Tell us a little bit about these seven deadly sins. So
1: this book evolved over 30 years. So even though I've only uh, been consulting on my own since 2008, um, the stories and the the examples that I give in the book are from a 30-year career. And I've had some wonderful teachers from both bad managers, great managers, great employees, challenging employees, um, the gamut. And what I, what I found when I started to get the track record of um, the number of clients that I was serving as their consultant was that all the mistakes were the same. All the challenges were the same. The only difference is the number of zeros. So if you're a smaller business compared to a large business, the only difference is the, is the number of zeros. You might have more um, employee issues if you're a larger company than you do as a smaller company, um, but the needs are still the same. You still need direction. You still need the tools. You still need the position guides. You still need to understand payroll. So, again, the only difference is the number of zeros. And so as I um, began to uh, write the book, I went through all of the emotions that I I would think that all authors go through. Um, And the big one was, is anybody going to read it? And I, I distinctly remember one day coming down the stairs, right as my husband was coming in from work and I was talking to myself, I had spent the entire day writing about KPIs. Key performance indicators. And so I I wasn't happy at all with what I'd written. And so I was coming downstairs and I thought to myself, geez, Julia, no one really needs you to tell them what a KPI is. You could put that in a search engine and find out what the definition is. But what they really need is to understand how to do it, why it's important and what it's going to tell you about the business, which is also um, the same example. Example is every other chapter in the book, every other sin. So the the book is actually about what to do um, to correct or improve on these seven areas in your business that are robbing you from productivity, efficiency, and profitability. That's 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 the nutshell.
0: You know, I I had to laugh. I've been a one person operation, or I, I mean, I do have a an assistant, Kylie, the angel known as Kylie, Uh, but even as a one-person operation, most most one-person operations still have HR issues um, with themselves. Um, Can you give us an example, uh, maybe two or three KPIs that you think even a micro business owner should be a a consultant, for example, um, should be aware of?
1: So, uh, an example that I use in the book and also at speaking is the difference of um, I want to increase sales. And when people tell me they want to increase sales, I always respond, That's great. Hope that turns out well for you. But how much better does it sound to say, I want to increase sales by 5% by the end of third quarter? And so, that you th- having an objective puts the teeth in the goal. So your goal is to create more sales, but the objective is to create more sales by 5% by the end of third quarter. And then on top of that, we can't just say it. We have to believe it. We have to build the strategies in order to achieve it. And then we have to track performance of that measurement. So I just covered three sins there. Um, One is the performance management, one is the tracking, uh, actually using a system to track, um, and the other is to manage by the numbers. So increasing sales is part of managing by the numbers. So anything that you are doing to um, manage the financials in your business is under managing by the numbers. So if you... If you can, if you know your numbers, you know your business. If you don't, you don't know your business. So each of the deadly sins are—they're created around every every issue that I've ever found in a business can fit in one of those seven deadly sins.
0: Wow. Um, it it also sounds like language is uh, important in how you frame these KPIs. Would that be correct?
1: Yes, they need to be actionable. They need to be something that you can measure. They need to be very specific and they need to be time stamped. Otherwise, they're just general conversations, just general goals. So if you need to open a new region, you need to say that open a northeast region by such and such a day. And then once you in your performance management system you're going to have those objectives and then you're going to have the strategies that are gonna help you meet those objectives. And then most of them are gonna have, when it's a big change in your business, in order to effectively manage change, which is another sin, um, you need to understand the difference between a to-do list and a to-die list, because the to-die list is more than just something that you can just scratch off your list, right?
0: Could you say that again, the difference between a to-do list and a? Ta-da. Ta-da. Yeah, like, ta-da. Ah. The
1: end of a show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I like that.
1: The difference is one is a is a piece of paper that you write down the things you need to do. And the other is something that takes more time, more planning. It's more of a, a action plan than a list on a piece of paper.
0: I want to ask you a question. Uh, what? How did you come to be uh, from experience and your expertise, um, but you are a numbers gal and um, you're passionate about numbers. How, How did that come to be?
1: Years ago, when I discovered how numbers can tell a story, because when I meet business owners and they say they're successful and they make all this money, um, first of all, I get them to understand that, okay, are you really making that much money or is that the cash flow coming in and out of your business? And that's a big thing for a lot of folks. Um, People start businesses because they have a passion, skill, or craft. They don't start businesses because they have a, a degree in accounting. Um, And so they don't really it's not that they don't have the capability or can understand how to interpret those numbers. It's just something that they haven't done. So that's one of the areas where I really have a good time working with clients. And when they understand what those numbers are saying about their business, it's 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 fascinating. And I, I tell people that your numbers will speak to you. Sometimes they're speaking softly. And sometimes they're yelling, but as long as you can listen to what the numbers are saying about your business, I mean, there are financial formulas out there that can tell you anything, how many days it takes you to get paid, how many days it takes you to bill someone where, I mean, anything that you want to know about your business, you can learn in your PL and your balance sheet. Mm-hmm. I guarantee it. Even poor performance for employees. So everything that is important can be managed in one way or another, even leadership.
0: There's a um, a saying that I heard a number of years ago: uh, "What gets measured is treasured." Yes, and and a lot of us and people that I work with and audiences that I speak to, and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna gently step on uh, some consultants and coaches. <laughs> toes a little bit when I say this, Um, but many consultants are pretty good at serving their clients, uh, but their own numbers, their own, their own financial house um, and KPIs can be a hot mess. Um, What, um, I guess I'm going to kind of put you on the spot, uh, maybe a little bit, but I I want you to go back uh, in your rear view mirror. And I want you to think about a client that you work with um, that maybe was struggling a bit uh, or maybe they were doing okay, but did, you know, vastly underperforming what their potential suggested they could do. I'm, I'm certain, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm thinking that you already have someone in mind And they came to you for some reason, a problem, a challenge, an issue, couldn't see the forest from the trees, but by working with you, hopefully listening carefully and uh, being open to your ideas, tried some of the things that you suggested and became one of your client, what we would call a client success story. Can you tell us a client success story?
1: Yes. So immediately, I have someone in mind. I was introduced to this uh, manufacturing company. 20, at the time, was about 25 years old, doing very well, profitable, making money, had gone through a bit of a dip and was a very small negative, but it was a negative. It was a negative, like 5.6%. Started working with them in uh, May. And by the end of the year, end of that year, we had turned it into a positive eight point nine percent somewhere in there um, where people generally think they know where the issue is. What's fun in working with them is to help them understand what the root cause of these problems are. And they're always different than what they think. And so we. We did a, um, what I call an organization for management project. And by the end of the following year, they were at a 23% net
0: profit. Wow.
1: And the beauty of that is the bottom line on the net profit was good, but the money that went into their pocket was even better. All wow! all, all of while, while their sales were down. So I was able to show the owner how to work smarter and, and not the old, you know, work, working smart, not hard theory, but how when they were focused on what they did well and they weren't having to do a lot of repeat, um, you know, fixing problems or redoing sales that they had already done, um, they were able to invest more into the company and they were happier and uh, their sales did continue to go up again but the beautiful part was they they were um, enjoying a lot more profit which put millions millions in their in their pocket.
0: Wow And you you um, I might not remember uh, the specific numbers but you, th- you said 6.4, 8.9, um, you remember these percentages, um, you know, just like the back of your hand. Yes, um,
1: that client you know, turned into multi projects along the way um, and they're still today, they're a client because of the impact um, and the COO is just awesome to work with and the employees are awesome. Um, It's just a great company. What do you,
0: what do you find with, um, you know, the SBA defines small business up to 500 employees? Well, you know, in my mind, that's a, that's a pretty good sized small business. Um, And the micro business world tends to be um, no employees to maybe 10 employees, depending upon the model, or whether it's a, small manufacturing or small retail or uh, small professional services firm, but when you think about those micro businesses, and I I have a feeling that most of the people watching or listening to this episode are going to fall in that um, on their way to a million dollars a year, you know, on their way to four, five, six employees. What is... What is something you find that's incredibly common with that size business? A, a mistake that uh, uh, somebody could look at very quickly.
1: So one of the one of the earliest boot camps that I did, I had a client that did. She would go into homes and do reorganization. She would actually do organization. Um, and she has grown now into working with uh, folks who are downsizing. And she told me from the very beginning when I first started talking to her is that she was small. It was just her, that she she didn't have systems and processes. She didn't need all that. And I said, well, do you get up in the morning and do you leave your house? And she, well, Yeah. And I said, well, then you have systems and processes because you don't just get up and go out the door. You have a system for getting ready. You have a process for getting physically dressed. You have a process for um, getting the coffee, breakfast, whatever you need. And so this is, this is your system for getting up and getting out the door. And once I said that, she started to get it. And, and again, it's not, it's, it's just a matter oh. of zeros. Whether it's um, financials or number of people, business is business. The business side of things, it, it's the business side of things. And and this lady, within months, she she didn't even want to go to her her mailbox and get her fine, get her bank statement. And when she she texted me one evening, it was literally eleven o'clock at night, and she texted. me me that she couldn't believe what she was seeing and she told her husband that she had a a hundred percent more and he was like no you forgot a zero (laughs) it was a thousand percent so um from and and now she is all over the place you see her all over town all over Facebook she's just doing phenomenal but it was an example of someone who just thought they were a small business And they just, you know, she wasn't really marketing and um, now she has employees, she has um, agreements with what is that company, um, Got Junk or Get Rid of Junk or something like that, where they just come and they pick up the stuff and she's cleaning people houses out so they can downsize you know grandparents that are wanting to move from multi-level houses to a to a a one-story house so it doesn't really matter size does not matter when it comes to owning a business because success is defined differently by individuals Mm -hmm. and there are some people that you know two or three people firm. the It's, that's what they want. That's what their definition is. And I myself had an opportunity in 2010 to um, have 10 sales, trained sales professionals that were uh, trained to sell management consulting services. And I took a chance. I had all of the eight, I'm sorry, eight. And um, I hired them, hired a director of sales, and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. And this is where I practice what I preached. I had a plan. So that's sin number one, failing to plan. I had a plan. I knew what was going to happen. I um, put out there, okay, this is what I'm willing to lose. This is what I'm going to do on this experiment. Um, had a director of sales that I was putting in a hotel across a three-state region every night of the week, seven nights a week. So, you know, there was a bit of an investment there. But I told him we had to do X by X. So our objective was set to what were the sales that we needed by this date um, to call this a success and to continue on with it. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it because I was becoming a management consulting firm owner leader. Mm -hmm. And, and I wasn't the consultant and that's what I like to do. So my definition of success is that I get to work with the clients. I get to have that experience and not, you know, I, I, I like working with other consultants. um, And I have a few consultants that I bring in on the larger projects when I need that help, but I have an assistant and I, I surround myself with instead of employees, I have specific disciplines that I have those relationships with. And I pay for that marketing or, you know, the, the, um, website, different things like that. Um, instead of having that staff person, I have companies that I have the relationship with and that's what works for me. So, um, it, it, businesses come in all different shapes and sizes for all different reasons. And that is one of the things that I think you and I have talked before about this is that's the fun part, getting to know how and why and when people start businesses and how they develop. I mean, I, I have a, my first client I was talking about a few minutes ago started in the trunk of his car and he, and, and now it's a multimillion dollar business. And it's you know it's just fascinating. Um, if people could really understand that the the heart and the desire and the the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that business owners put into their business, they would never shop a big box store again. They would always always go to the small business. I mean, my husband. I remember in St. Louis when a local. Um, handyman uh, uh, oh shoot I can't think of it um, uh, tools and stuff home goods store um, there's something you call it and I just went brain dead I don't know I don't remember what it is anyway the Lowe's and the Home Depots they they came in and they replaced these small um, community service based businesses because they were there to serve the the people in the community especially the the guys who were fixing around the house and working in the yard and that kind of stuff to better their home value and um you know when when that store closed he was devastated because it was in st louis missouri and uh, st louis is known for the mom and pop restaurants and the individual businesses, and that was a really sad day because the, the big box stores replaced these
0: folks. They, the Walmarts, the Home Depots have, have hurt a lot of businesses on Main Street USA. Mm-hmm. So that's a great reminder that we all, that small business, uh, independent business owners need to support uh, other small business and independent. Uh, business owners. You said blood, sweat, and tears. There have been times when I've said blood, sweat, and fears. Yes. <laughs> as uh, everybody seems to, you know, uh, uh, fear never sleeps. You know, it's interesting. You you reminded me of when I was uh, very, very early on in my career, which uh, is about 39 or 40 years ago. And I was a one-person operation and I had a client and my, I'm sitting in my client's office one day and, and he shared with me what you shared with our listeners. And, and that is, he said to me, Mark, do you want to know the difference between you and me? And I'm thinking he's rich. And, <laughs> um, and, he, and I said, what? And he said, zeros. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you have $100 problems. I have the exact same problems only they're $1,000 problems and one day your problems are going to be $1,000 problems and at that point my problems will be $10,000 problems and it wasn't a couple. A couple years later, I owned a printing company with uh, half a dozen full time employees and a half a dozen part time employees. And he reminded me of that conversation because when we had the conversation, I had no employees. He had about 20 employees. And when all of a sudden I had six full time and six part time, uh, he had 180 employees. And we had that conversation. And he said, We talked about our problems and they were the same. Um, so I think your your insight into zeros is incredibly profound. You know, one of the thing uh things that captivated me about our interview is that you bring a lightness or sense of spirit to numbers and problems and digging In, in fact, you you used fun uh and having a good time uh with some of these numbers uh and problems possible.
1: Yes, it is. It absolutely is. And one of the there's two exercises that I do with folks that really get them involved with their own numbers. Mm-hmm. And one of them is uh, cost reduction versus sales. And so I'm able to show folks, we start out with, can can, can you cut 2%? Two cents on the dollar, just two cents on the dollar. And I always get that buy-in, that's, a, that's an easy one. And so we go through this exercise and I show them what it's costing them to run their business down to the minute. We do the month, the week, the, the day, the hour and the minute. And when they, when they the, the light bulb goes off and it's like, what do you mean? That's how much a minute costs. And and when then when I can go back and show them And this is just using numbers, okay? Is it easier to cut 2% or make this much more in sales? And the jaws will drop. The jaws will actually drop because uh, it can get into the hundreds of thousands for just small businesses, very small businesses. Um, and, And then they start to realize every dollar that you save falls right down to the bottom line. So that's putting the profits in your pocket, not down the drain. And that makes a huge impact. The other um, fun thing that I do with folks is we figure out what day of the year they break even. And so when we do our forecasted budget and we say, okay, this is what our sales are going to be. And if this is what our sales are, this is how much it's going to cost us to produce those sales. And then here's what we're going to spend to run the business. And here's what's left. And we can do that in reverse if we know what we want left and we know how much we're spending on those, you know, rent and all those kind of expenses. And then we we go backwards and go up the P&L and we decide, okay, we have to get these numbers. We have to sell this many of this product or this service. And so going backwards sometimes makes it click for some. Some need to go forward. Some need to go backward. Doesn't matter. The end result is the same Mm -hmm. and then we look at how many days a week they're open days in the year that they're not going to be around they're on vacation The, the the office is closed and I literally do something really really difficult I take a calendar of the whole year and I print it off And I hand that out to everybody and we go through and we mark off weekends, we mark off holidays, we mark off vacation, we mark off the days that they're not going to work and then we count the number of working days. Literally very difficult exercise right we count how many days are open and that's all we need. We need to know what we're spending and what we're making and the number of working days. And then we can pick, we can go through, do our math, really hard third grade math. And then we go to the calendar and we count. And we, and, and the closer you can get to jan- January 1, the better. Because when we count how many days it's going to take us to actually pay all the expenses to make the sales that we forecasted, then we know at the next day, we're at 100% profit every day wow. that we're open. And that one really gets people excited. And they get a little mad too, because they start realizing all those coffee pot uh, break room chats and all those days where you think that, oh, this is a great employee. Look, he comes in 45 minutes early all the time. And Yeah, that's costing you and that's dipping into your profit. So um, those two, I think, are my favorite. And and it's so easy because we're not doing, we're not doing calculus. (laughs) We're we're not trying to uh, come up with all kinds of formulas. I mean, one and one is going to equal two every day, all day long. But we do get in there and we figure out one plus a quarter plus three quarters is still going to equal two. There's a lot of ways to get to two. It's not always got to just be one plus one. So we do have a lot of fun. Um, I specifically remember a client one time I asked a question and he looked up at me and he said, well, it's X percent and it was a percent variance from this day. And last year it was this. And Just giving me all kinds of information. And then he said, aren't you proud of me that I knew that? And I said, yes, but not surprised because we had been working together. And he's a very smart man. This was not just a run-of-the-mill guy. Very smart man. He just had not, his cash flow management ability was superb. Never met anyone as as good as Mm -hmm. he was. He mm. said he was raised to pay his bills. His, his dad told him that, you know, you pay your bills first. And so he, no cash flow issue at all. But he just didn't understand how to manipulate. And I say that in a positive way, not a negative way. But how to really understand what that P&L was telling him about the business. And it can lead you to, you know, th- how many employees you have. Yeah. Uh, you know, it can tell you everything that you need to know.
0: Sure. Um, switching gears a little bit, Julia, uh, uh, with a few minutes to go, and I've got a couple questions left for you, but um, you and I were both uh, huge fans of the recently deceased Jim Haran. and can you tell, share for briefly, a little bit about your relationship with Jim Horan, and I believe uh, <laughs> I know you are also uh, a huge believer in the one-page business plan.
1: I am a huge believer. I met Jim Haran at the same conference that I met you—the very first conference. Um, we um, in 2017. He and I had uh, that was the year we had quite a few um, National Speakers Association folks speaking at our conference and um, at the awards banquet. I sat down and all these people started sitting, uh, at, at the table and it turned out all of you guys, it was, I, I was like at the, I was at the right table surrounded. And e- even, someone from IMC sat down and said, how'd you rate? So, so good to have all the speakers sitting at the table. And, um, Jim Haran was sitting directly across from me and it was a, a like a 10 seat table, a tin top. And, uh, he asked me what I did. And when I told him what I did, he, he just looked at me and he said, you have something. And he had told the same, same type of story of when he went to his mastermind group and said, I have this idea of putting all of this on one page. And his group told him, you have something and where Jim and I connected really was on that financial awareness of what that can do for a company to understand Because people will shy away from it number one is math and number two um it's oh that's what the cpa does you know so um we really connected on that and then um he started talking to me about the the one-page plan and i took a look at it and i said jim before we have any more conversation, I have to show you what I do on Boot Camp because what you have put on software is what I do day two, book, Boot Camp one. It's the second day afternoon, was everything, pulling everything together. And what I was putting on five pages or more, he was getting on one page and it was mm-hmm. phenomenal. And I, I just was uh, at the conference that year was in October. And um, over Thanksgiving week, I checked into a resort and I was there by myself for a few days. And then my husband and son joined me for Thanksgiving and I did their training because I I, I knew this was going to be fantastic. I did their training. And day one, I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. And Tony was not having to teach me the language or the definition. She was teaching me the, the software. I can't retrain because I spoke that language. And I think it was day two or day three. Um, I emailed Jim and I said, am I allowed to sell during training? <laughs> and he's like, sure. And I'm like, okay, I just made a $45,000 sale. So he, I still have that email um, where he said he had, that, that was the first time in the history of their 20-something-a-year company that anyone had ever sold like that during, I mean, and by the end of the week, I, I did another um, six or 7,000, Wow! because I picked up the phone, sure. and that was what he was known for, pick up the damn phone, yeah. I picked up the phone, and I called my clients, and I said, wow, this is, this tool, you're going to love it, and um, yeah, it was so easy, and that started a, a, a very disappointing because it was so short. Jim Haran became a friend and a mentor mm. all in one. Um, and I, I, I miss him, but his product is fantastic. And the all of my um, planning and performance management clients um, use the one page. Tool and,
0: and and I don't know what the the right language is, so if I don't get this right, please correct me. But you are licensed or certified in using the software around the one-page business plan. Is that correct?
1: Yes, yes. It's um I'm what they call a master one-page consultant. Okay. Um, mean meaning that I use it, and so I don't. You know, you use it or lose it. But it's. Sure. it's Software in it for consultants, any consultant that's doing any um, planning and performance management consulting or strategy consulting, it is a fabulous tool. Yes. Absolutely. It's well, one of the best that I've found.
0: Wow. Julie, I have one last question for you, and this is about you. When you look in your rearview mirror and and you look at yourself on day one, of your current business knowing what you know now if you could go back and give yourself on day one a piece of advice what would your advice to your younger self be
1: that's an easy one (laughs) look at the resources that you have and don't be afraid to jump in and 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 know that you have those resources. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, fear of failure, and that especially for consultants or solo consultants, um, I I discuss that a lot with my business owners. But there's also a fear of success, and so what do you do if you open the door and all of a sudden you have all these clients? That can be as dangerous, hmm. and so. You, know, if I were to meet a, a new consultant starting, I would introduce them to people like you, people that had um, like Jim Horan's company, um, who now is run by uh, Robert Shear. Um, these are tools and these tools can help you just move forward a lot faster in a, with a safety net because you're not just trying to create it all.
0: Sure. It reminds me of... Uh... Uh, the scene in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, when they're out, the Rudolph and the little boy who wanted to be a dentist and, and uh, uh, they're talking and brainstorming and, and he shouts, let's be independent together. Um, no one accomplishes anything great alone. Julia, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, today and sharing your wisdom and insights and stories and ideas. And, and uh, for those of you that are viewing this or watching this at a later date, her new book will be coming out, The Seven Deadly Sins That All Business Owners Commit. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, indie Books International is headquartered out of Southern uh, California. Our Indie Books Friends and Family Forum will be the first weekend of March 2023, where we will be back in person together uh, for the first time since uh, early March of 2020. So we hope that you will uh, check us out, uh, go to our website, IndieBooks, Indie Booksintl.com and reach out. Let's start a conversation about your first book or your next book. And consider joining us for our forum where authors get together to help other authors and speakers get together to help other speakers. And there you have it. That's a wrap.